Welcome to Car Wash, the podcast, your source for real stories and real business insights from the experts, both in and out of the car wash industry. So put it in neutral, feed off the brakes, and take your hands off the steering wheel, because here we go. Here is your guide on this journey, David Begin of Begin Insights. Hey, welcome to this episode of Car Wash the Podcast. Hope everybody out there is doing well. I got a special guest today, Sarah Ross. She's the CEO of BrainAmped. Sarah, thanks for joining me today. I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, you were supposed to be a guest speaker at the ICA Car Wash show this yes, year, if I'm not mistaken. I was. Yeah. Yes, that yeah. was the plan. But we all know none of our plans have worked out the way we planned. That's exactly right. Yeah. What What was the topic you were going to talk about on the for the for the ICA conference? I was really focusing on helping people kind of tap into the skills of emotional intelligence and energy management to just manage the stresses of work and life. Yeah. And and then and then this happened and then 2020 <laughs> happened and <laughs> everything's changed to the, that. Everything. That, that was a great topic. So what what is your professional life? I know you've been super busy the last three or four months. What's your, yeah. your professional life been like? It has been, well, so... I started a company, um, I spent over a decade working in a research and training firm where we really did focus on, on emotional intelligence and it was so powerful. I loved it, but I also knew there was kind of something missing and the thing missing was really around, I worked with so many great leaders who knew what to do but sometimes felt too tired to do the right things. Mm -hmm. Does that resonate with you at all? Oh, like, man. It's that piece where it's like, it, it's that you look back and you're like, I should have, I should have done that differently. And so I knew that I wanted to expand that a little bit. So I uh, opened up a research and, and coaching firm called, called BrainAmped. And so we're about two years old and we've had the opportunity to do fantastic work, great momentum, having fun doing what I'm doing. And then, uh, and then the, the pandemic hit. So I, I keep smiling. I, you and I were connecting just before this. And I said, if a plane flies over me, I longingly look up at it. And I promise I will be on it again soon. But I've always, always worked from home. I've just never, ever worked only from home. Mm -hmm. So like I've always been with clients and, and traveling. So that part is so different. And I'm I really feel myself missing it. But at the same time, the researcher in me and, and the writer in me, because I've been doing an awful lot of that, it's given me a chance to just really dig in and focus. And like I study people. Like that's what I study. I study mm -hmm. the science of people. And so it's been so fascinating and even kind of going through the same research questions, but looking at it now as people are well, now our world is starting to open up again, but as people were quarantining and socially distancing from one another and, and not able to work in the environments they were work living with the people that, you know, they love, but aren't used to having as a part of, of their workday. So that getting a chance to really be focused without it being disrupted by jumping on a plane. I've got to admit there's an element to that that I have enjoyed. I've got a, a little bit of a routine going, but I'm, I'm whenever it wants to be disrupted with some travel, I'm on, I'm ready to yeah. go again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No doubt. You know, it's interesting because it's like, you can't, you know, it's like when you can choose or to do it or not do it, you're okay with that. But when, so when you're told you can't do it, that's when you really want to do it. 
It's, it's, well, it, and it's, it's interesting because you just hit on some, the choice and a sense of control is just so incredibly important for people. It's one of the biggest, people don't realize it. It's actually one of the biggest contributors to stress. Like stress is, is healthy and manageable, even when it's a lot, when it feels chosen, when it doesn't feel chosen, when it doesn't feel like we have the same control, it's very hard. And some of us, I'm looking and pointing at myself as I say mm-hmm. this. I don't do well being told what to do. That's why I'm my own boss because yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not the best employee. So this this whole thing of uh, not being able to just you know choose to do what I, I would like that's that that definitely has challenged me and made me kind of look at my own emotional intelligence, like managing that piece of it, it, which usually I'm kind of focused on managing the stress and, and maintaining health and really, you know, um, staying engaged in the research where this is just like, okay, so now this choice has been taken away from you. How are you managing that and finding choice and control in other areas? Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. And you think about people who have a lot of choices taken away from them for whatever Mm. reason. And yeah, you know, you see people thriving in those environments and you see people that don't thrive in those environments. And yeah, obviously a lot of it is the mindset that people go Mm -hmm. through when they, they realize what they do have control over, you know, and even if you're locked up in a cell, the people that do well are the ones that say, you know, I do have control over how I think I do have control, you know, how I feel. And, you know, they're, they're always finding something that they can control. Totally. And, and, I, and, you know, if I can add to that, and it may actually seem counterintuitive, but we also know that those who, who manage stress and disruption and uncertainty are not people that are also always positive. Like they're also people who they focus on what they can control. They focus on their responses, but they actually the research shows they're also people who give themselves space to feel the hard emotions. Now the difference is they don't stay stuck in them, mm-hmm. but I, I think sometimes, and, and I've really seen this in, from a, from a coaching perspective and doing so many kind of virtual, I do, I jump onto, you know, virtual team meetings that I get invited into now and all kinds of things I never, ever did before. But, but what's really interesting is that it, there's some people who are struggling because they'd, they'd actually feel guilty for having a bad day. Like something was wrong with them for not being as productive as they needed to be. And it was like smushed down all these, these hard emotions. And, and we know that giving space to emotions is a really important piece because when we don't, they, they just, they build in pressure and they, end up coming out somewhere. It's just usually not where we anticipate and not with, and often they're with the people that deserve the best of us, but they're not, they're getting the, you know, the smushed down emotion us, which is not, not, not fair and not helpful. And then it's one of those, I should have done that differently moments. Exactly. Yeah. We, we tend to take it out on the people we love the most and that's that's absolutely the worst person. You know, I I call it kicking the dog, you know, come home. Yeah. kick, kick the poor dog. It's not, it's obviously not the dog's fault, but um, exactly. So there, for me, especially in this current environment, you know, with a pandemic and we we're dealing here in the U S you know, you're from Canada, just let yes. me know, but we're yes, doing my accent lot. probably has given it away <laughs> no. at some point. I say organization, <laughs> very Canadian, apparently. No, that's fine. But you know, we're dealing with a lot of social unrest and yeah. Um, you know, there's what I found when the pandemic started was this low level amount of stress 
that wasn't anything I could really figure out why, but it was a never ending, Mm -hmm. you know, on a scale from one to 10, I was feeling maybe a two or three, but it wasn't going away. It it was just a constant two or three. Is that what you're finding with your clients? Absolutely. I mean, to obviously there are varying degrees of, of circumstances people are experiencing. So um, if you have somebody at, at home whose, whose health is, is not good or, or, you know, there's people who have lost loved ones. There's people who, who straight out lost their job, but I think there's a lot of people who still had the capacity to work and, and felt this low grade generalized anxiety. But if you think it, it makes sense it makes sense because oh, the like talk about living in ambiguity. I, I can't imagine. I I can't imagine I'm the only one. And I kind of come from a science background and understand epidemiology yeah. and did a lot of immunology and lots of good stuff like that. I understood the impact of it of a virus. I was like, oh, maybe that'll be nice to have a rest for the month next month. Like, I even though there was threats of this being big, it, it still was. No one could have exactly predicted how things were going. There, even still, when someone says this is what the future will look like, my my kind of uh, critical critical voice pops in to be like, well, they're not. You know, no one knows exactly what it's what it's going to look like. And so, when there is ambiguity and uncertainty, that is just the hardest thing for our brain to actually process. Like, like hands down, the, the brain's designed for safety and security. And so when you put those two things, including the things we hold dear, which is our health and our financial um, outcomes, like those are two significant things that we work really hard to build and protect, sometimes trading in one for the other, but that's mm-hmm. a different podcast. Yeah. Um, but when those, all of those things are at risk and we don't know when it will end, that is a breeding ground for generalized, generalized anxiety. Like if somebody had said, okay, we'll be opening back up by July 15th. It'd be like, well, we can't survive till then. But but you actually would feel less anxiety with an endpoint. Yeah, take that away, and that's why so many people, you know, when they are waiting for and maybe uh, they've they've had a health scare, so many people are like, even if it's bad news, I just want to know that yeah. that's our brain. We just want to know. So it totally, it's such a common experience for people. Yeah, I, I was listening to another podcast. Uh, there's this health fitness device called Whoop. And they had a Stanford professor on who kind of deals in these areas. And and I can't remember what he said. He said, there's three things that that the brain looks for. Two of them are how bad will it be and how long will it last? And we can deal with it if we know how bad it's going to be and how long it's going to last. But if we don't know those things, that's where the stress really comes into play. Absolutely. And I'll uh, add a a a third one, and this may have been what the person was talking about or not, but um, will we be like, do we have the skills, the ability to actually manage that new environment as well? Like, how are we going to look through that? How are we going to belong in that new normal? Those, those questions, I always say kind of similarly to what you would have heard, there's kind of three main, main buckets we process, um, 
the future and things through. We look at how will I look in this situation, like fear of judgment, fear of failure. It's that whole kind of their status and control and power, respect. How will I look? How will I fit? So, you know, do I belong? Will I be accepted? Will, am I still part of this team? Do I have a place in things? And how will I fare? Like, Mm -hmm. will I be okay through this? Like those, our brain is always, always filtering for those questions. And when those questions are unknown, um, generalized anxiety kicks in and, and then we have a temptation to default to our negative bias. So whatever potential negative answer there is, we, we have a very natural inclination to want to go worst case scenario on it as well. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. No doubt. Yeah. So it's, I think that's where a lot of that low level stress and, yeah. and is there anything we've gone through at least, I don't know, in the last 30, 50 years, that's anything like this? I think this is what I've been challenging people to think about. So, you know, if we think about North America, if we've been through a pandemic, nope. Um, but I I have challenged people, uh, organizations and, and individuals that I'm coaching and in the work that I do, and this is what the research says also, it, we don't have to say we've been through an exact same situation, but we've been through situations where there has been uncertainty. We've been through situations where there has been trauma, turmoil, uh, you know, difficulty. And so what's interesting is, and we're still here. So there's whether we handled exactly that situation the way we wanted to, and, and, you know, even if it wasn't ideal, but we learned something from it, 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 what's fascinating, every single person has experienced difficulty and challenge. So when we tap into that, then we can say, okay, so what are the strengths? What are the learnings? What are the experiences that I can build on, build on now? But uh, like some of the stories I've, I've heard from people when I, when I work with them, you know, natural disasters, um, loss of, of people in their families, health concerns, uh, recessions, companies, you know, entire industries being disrupted and then entire companies seeming to be swallowed up in, in a matter of months. Like those are all hugely disruptive, uncertain, unpredictable things that happen. And, and we, we don't give ourselves enough credit, how strong we are, how resilient we are. Like I, I had a conversation with someone and I had said, like, I, uh, it might be the end of June before we can do anything. And that was back in March. Uh, and that was just a, like, I was just thinking that was so far fetched. And, and the person had said like, I will not be able to get through this till June. I just spoke to them and they're mm-hmm. like, wow. And it's like, look, you can do more than you think. Our brain's incredibly terrible at being able to accurately predict <laughs> what we will feel in the future. Yeah. That's, that's the challenge. But so your question was, have we been through something specific? I, I think everyone has been through something challenging that we can draw lessons from to serve us now and help us get through this in the best way possible. And, and if it's not ours, maybe those are lessons we share with others or we learn from others. If it's, we have been one of those lucky ones who, who has had, you know, a challenge-free life. I'm not, I haven't met one of those people yet, but I believe yeah. perhaps there might be one in the world. Yeah. And that, that's such a great point, Sarah, is that we think, well, we can't get through this. But yeah. if we go back to our past and think about situations where we might've felt the same way, it's not the same situation, but 
where, where did we deal with the challenge before and how do we overcome it? I think that's yeah. a great way to kind of think about it because, because there, there, there is no roadmap for this and nope. that's what, you know, and everybody's kind of freaking out a little bit about yeah. it. And, um, but yeah, I, th- I think that's, that's such a great, a great thing, you know, Hey, you, you know, we're stronger than we think. And I think that's a great message that we need over to and over again. I, I remind, I remind, I think half the time, <laughs> I think 90% of the work I do is for myself. And then it just turns out that, um, that people are, are pretty similar in the sense of part of that is, is me remembering that for myself as well. If I can share a a quick story that I just, I was on a different podcast and and the story kind of came up in there to illustrate exactly that point. Uh, In 2016, my mother had breast cancer and unfortunately um, she had beat, she had beat it once it came back and it, and it came back metastasized through her, her entire body. And, um, she was very, very ill quickly and, and, and they didn't know how long we would have. And what's really interesting, I'm a, I'm a researcher. And so my default in challenge is to try to go and do the research. Like if anything in my life happens, if you looked at my list of books on my Kindle, you'd be mm. like, you could tell my life story because when something's happening or happening to someone else, I'm like, let me go read about it and see what I can learn. And so I found myself being so incredibly and I'm going to use this word like consumed, obsessed with trying to figure out how long she would be with us. Mm-hmm. Like I just, it was like, if I could just know, then we can make the right decisions about, you know, all of these different things. I can figure out what to do with work. We can figure out what type of treatments are best. And, and for about three weeks, I obsessively, like I was in touch. I, you know, I work in healthcare quite a bit. So I was in touch with, I pulled every string I could to get as much information, but I had somebody very, very um, compassionately challenge me to say, there is no answer. You, mm-hmm. you, no one knows. And the more you do this, the less time you spend with your mom. And it was really one of those like, okay, pivot point. And so why I have shared that story is, is because, you know, my business is not an old business. It, it, so, you know, it was challenging all of a sudden to have my entire calendar basically <laughs> cleared, cleared mm-hmm. off for a year. Yeah. But I realized, um, somebody had said to me, it's like, you're taking this very well. But what I realized is that while my mom was ill, I learned to sit with the uncertainty. I, I genuinely, like, I think one of the biggest things that came out of that is I learned to stay really present. I give myself a very short wind, small window of time to think about the future, but I got a lot better, um, at reaching out to people for perspective, but making decisions on incomplete information and sitting with the uncertainty and of all things that have happened in my life that has served me right now, I think more than anything I've ever experienced in my life. And I think we all have these at the time. Did I think I was doing it the best? No, Uh, you know, like, but the lesson from that has, I didn't even realize it was a lesson until being challenged right now. Yeah. So there's something to that. And there's confidence that I build in that, that I'm like, this is kind of worst case scenario for my industry. And if I can sit in that, 
then let me step out of my comfort zone as often as possible because I, I can deal with the uncertainty of, of the outcome. And I think every, you know, I've heard just so many beautiful stories and people didn't even realize it was a story and an experience and a strength they had until this happened. Yeah. No, that's, that's such a great story. And it's such a great example of, you know, being comfortable, being uncomfortable. Yeah, exactly. Beautiful. Pl- that's exactly what it is. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And, you know, it's interesting when I, we first got into this, I would look at my life in 24 hour segments because I can, right. I can deal with what's happening today. <laughs> I'm not going to worry about tomorrow. I'm just going to make sure I do what I can do today. Yeah. But, but you do get tired of that, right? Your, your yeah. brain does want to go in the future and start thinking about, Hey, what's, what's coming, what's coming, what's coming. And, you know, and you've got to bring yourself back and maybe it's not 24 hours. Maybe now it's a 48 hour period or whatever, but, yeah. um, you know, just focusing on what you can do today, those lessons that we've all heard and been taught over <laughs> years. Now we got to really put them in the, in the practice. Well, I always laugh. I think a huge part of, you know, research is just basically verifying all the old advice we've been given in various yeah, ways. Now, right. some things is backwards, but it's like, we, you know, we've heard these things our entire life and now it's like, there's research to prove it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No doubt. No doubt. You've, you've been doing a lot of work in the healthcare industry. Can you give us some mm-hmm. idea of how are, how are healthcare oh. workers doing? So before this, I was working in healthcare and kind of looking at how people could use their emotional intelligence without being, you know, that compassion fatigue and empathy fatigue and burnout, those things, and just general burnout. A couple of really interesting things. I mean, there's been a lot of really hard things. Um, I will definitely say, you know, areas in the US in in New York, for example, there have been very different experiences there than there have been in in some parts of Canada. Now I'm in Toronto. That's, you know, one of the core core places, obviously, because it's a a big city for us here. But a couple of things came out that I I found very interesting um, in situations where people didn't have control. Like if there were not enough staff, beds, pieces of equipment to help people, not being able to help people is, is just extremely challenging in healthcare. I mean, people are there to help people. So any situation where people have been forced to make a decision that feels like it goes against what they are in a career and a calling to do, I think is very challenging. And what I think that that has helped, and it's helped in so many industries, so many industries, but I think it's also called on the fact that, that there needs to be support like people that these are really, truly difficult things. They are going to have long-term impacts on people. And if we want these frontline people who have been working for us to help keep us safe, if we want those people to be able to keep doing this, then, then we have to make sure that we figure out ways to take care of themselves, even if they aren't ready to say they need to be taken care of. Because sometimes, Mm -hmm. you know, those providing care aren't always the best at doing it. Um, what I found interesting with, with a number of clients that I, I work with is there was also this feeling of like a reaffirmation, like a regrounding in why they went in to medicine. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm here to help people. And because of this kind of crisis mode, it also meant that so many of the, like the politics and, and so much of the administrative things that absorbs a massive amount of time for people was, was 
reallocated out so that healthcare workers could provide healthcare. And for some people, it like reignited a sense of purpose for people. And I think that is, is just a, a hugely profound piece to, to recognize. I mean, it's not just healthcare. So many industries, we, you know, we all probably have every job's got elements we don't love, but sometimes we get in order to keep growing in our careers, we end up losing sight and spending less time doing the things that we love and a lot more times doing the other stuff. And so I think it was interesting just for that piece to come to the surface. And then I think the the last piece is just to also recognize that, and this isn't just in healthcare, um, I, not only are we stronger than we thought we were, we when there's no choice, we are, we are incredibly adaptable Mm -hmm. and, and it's, and it's amazing to see. And a lot of healthcare felt so supported by communities. And and that I think was, was just, you know, anytime people who are sacrificing their safety and genuinely, you know, putting some of their families at risk or not being able to be with their families in order to do the work that they were doing to feel seen and appreciated for that is, is really powerful. And, um, we help, that's what healthcare is there for, but, but sometimes I think we all forget that at the heart of that is caring for human beings and we right. get lost in a lot of things. So I think being acknowledged for that was really powerful. Interesting. Good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And with the people that have a purpose in what they're doing, do you think they'll come out better? Absolutely. But I, I it's for sure. Um, but there is also just that, that piece of this, this intent, when you are working in intense situations, um, the difference between healthy stress and unhealthy stress, uh, people just kind of think it's like good stress or bad stress control or not, but you can work a lot of hours. If you also, when you aren't working, you can disengage from work and you actually implement like adequate, dedicated recovery practices. Mm-hmm. Uh, when those, when you're working a lot of hours in high crisis, high intensity environments without those pieces, uh, that wears people down very, very quickly. And there really was almost, you know, a, a, there was a lot of healthcare recognizing that the way they were working wasn't working and it couldn't, they couldn't actually keep serving, doing the service that they needed to do. And so I know that, uh, two of the kind of significant hospitals in in the Toronto area, it was a really powerful thing, kind of the, the kind of buddy system to say, listen, I got your back. You've got my back. We may not be the best at being able to say when we need to kind of take a break or do something, uh, but I'll have your back. You have mine. And we, and we commit to listen to one another. And, and I mean, I think that's something, I think we all need a self-care buddy in our world because we really are terrible judges of needing to care for ourselves and our brain convinces us that it won't make us actually feel any better because we're not good at predicting how we'll feel in the future. So, yeah. but, but that outside perspective makes all the difference in the world. So I, you know, that purpose and is huge, but it doesn't make you burnout proof. Yeah, no, I love that. I love that idea of having somebody to kind of keep an eye on you. Yeah. That's super. You, you, you've worked with a lot of leaders in a lot of different industries. I mean, I'm thinking about industries like if I was a CEO of Carnival Cruise Lines or the CEO of American Airlines, I mean, American, American Airlines and Delta, I think we're losing between 30 and $50 million a day. It's not even numbers. My brain can even, like, it's just like, that's like, once you get to a certain number, I can't even understand how 
it even like how, how we'll have, we'll, how we'll ever be able to get on a plane again. <laughs> I know. I know. I'm like, how do you, how do those people, you know, I mean, and I, I sold my car washes back in August of last year. So I'm, I'm okay. kind of doing some different things now, but I just think being a business leader or owner yeah. in this situation, how tough it is. I mean, oh. how, how are they, what are some of the common things they're, they're dealing with? And I, you know, you gave us some great examples of, you know, we're, we're, we're stronger than we think we are, but these are challenges. These are unprecedented challenges that these companies are facing. Is it a matter of just looking at it more emotionally detached or, you know, can a, can, can a good leader look at a situation and not get emotionally involved in it? Is that yeah. how you have to do it or how, how would you I, have to do it? I, I don't. So here's, this is the, the un, this is the messy answer that I don't think there's a perfect answer because I, I, I think that there are context does matter. However, what I think is really powerful and what we've seen, like, I don't know if I've ever seen the word, like I work in the field of, of emotions. So I am very used to having to do like a soft intro <laughs> and like where people are, you know, sitting in an audience and they're like, okay, I think I need this. And it's related to stress. But if you're talking about emotions, I'm kind of skeptical. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not sure I'm going to put my hand up right away. Um, the, honestly, people like the, the shift in, in how can we help make sure that our leaders are compassionate and empathetic and connected and having the difficult conversations and demonstrating vulnerability and humility. Like I, that is just been on the, on the forefront. So I think with anything, it also requires a balance. Like it, you, I don't think any business can survive effectively or will maintain its, its best people if an organization hasn't led with empathy, like just to, to connect with their people and understand. Now, making those decisions also requires separating facts and feelings. I mean, there's no mm-hmm. doubt about it. Um, I think some of the, you know, the, the best have been able to say, we're going to make decisions, but they've been fantastic at tying those decisions back to the values and purpose of the work that they do. Like, so you, I think it's the, if leadership was easy, everybody would be a leader because there's lots of accolades that go with it. And there's, you know, lots of prestige, but, but leadership is incredibly difficult. Um, and it's not it, it often involves making the decision between something crappy and something really, really, really crappy. So, yeah. so no, you know what I mean? And I think that is, I, I actually spend a good amount of time with leaders who then take, you know, that genuine executive role that you cannot make a decision that's going to make everyone happy. You can make decisions based on the values of what your company stands for. And you can be very clear on how you're going to make sure your company uh, is successful in the future. And you can be very clear that you're not going to s- sacrifice the, the health of people to do it. And so I, I say that because difficult decisions need to be made, you know, co- cost cutting and restructuring, that is just a reality. But, but um, I think some of the best leaders that we have seen in the media that have also made similar sacrifices. I mean, salaries is something totally different, but, but people live in their world with, with their salary. So when you see, when you see these, you know, organizational leaders, not taking salaries or not taking bonuses or doing really specific things to, to kind of represent 
what they are asking other people to do. I think that's been a really powerful thing, but I can't imagine any of the decisions are are easy. I do, I know from working with many leaders who have had to communicate and make very difficult decisions at the end of the day, have they executed them in a way that they feel proud of? That's good. Have they executed in a way that people, you know, they have, they have done what they can to take care of their people. I think that as we started at the beginning, those are the things you can control while still making decisions on the health and future of your company. Yeah. And that, that's a good point. I mean, the, the, the empathy aspect is something I think that's just kind of developed in corporate life yeah. probably in the last 10 or 15 years. You know, we, we did when empathy was not a word to be used right. in, in a corporate environment, but you know, we're seeing more and more examples of that. And I think it will pay off long-term for those companies that, you know, you, you got to look at the information from an emotional attachment yeah. as you execute it, you execute it with empathy. Absolutely. I think yeah. that, I think that's a beautiful summary of, of, you know, that balance between the two that people need to take. I like it. We're going to go ahead and continue this episode with Sarah Ross on another podcast, but I just want to say thank you so much for listening to this episode of Car Wash, the podcast, and you can get this podcast either on the website at the Car Wash magazine and go to the podcast or anywhere you get your podcast. Tell your friends about Car Wash, the podcast. And for David Begin, thanks for listening. And we'll catch you next time on Car Wash, the podcast. Car Wash, the podcast is your source for real stories and real business insights from the experts, both in and out of the car wash industry. Our show helps investors, owners, operators, and managers think about ways to enhance their business. Our podcast is a free, on-demand audio program that provides information on the latest trends impacting the industry tips from successful industry leaders, and inspiration for our listeners.